Welcome to Heart of the Matter. This is a live uh, call-in show, so if you want to call and ask questions or make comments and be nice about it, if you're watching on Tuesday at 11 a.m., you're watching a rebroadcast of the previous week's show. If you tune in tonight at 8 p.m., you can see the live show and call in live. Also want to welcome our Boise, Idaho viewers and hope you enjoy the show. Also, you can send your calls and emails to the same number. And if you want to watch shows of the past, we're really blessed with this. You can uh, go to the show page and you can bring up all the shows that we've done so far. Finally, I want to ask the Christians of the Utah area and Idaho if they would just include this show, this station, and uh, this host in your prayers. That I'll be able to carry forward this show and be able to communicate effectively with the people who watch it, particularly the members of the LDS Church who are so interested. Tonight, we don't have a message. I usually start off uh, with some 15 or 20 minute message that kind of ties into the calls that we'll take. But uh, we have had such a backlog of uh, emails and calls that weren't received on air that I'm going to take a few minutes uh, and we're going to go through and I'm going to read them and give you quick answers and, uh, and we'll go from there. We're going to open the phone lines now though and you can start calling, but understand that if you get through and the screener allows you to stay, you're gonna wait for a few minutes online or on the, on the phone line until we can get to you. If the phone lines are busy, keep trying later on because they'll free up as we get to the live phone calls. Okay, first question from Lisa and Larry. Uh, in 2 Nephi chapter 33, verse six, it says, I glory in my Jesus, for he has redeemed my soul in hell. They ask, the Book of Mormon has so much that seems to speak in Christian language. What is your opinion? My opinion would be, I, I agree. The, the Book of Mormon was uh, uh, primarily uh, written under the auspices of being another testament of Jesus Christ, the biblical Jesus Christ. So much that is included in the Book of Mormon comes from uh, the New Testament ideas. And it also comes from the themes that were going on uh, back in New York at the time that Joseph Smith uh, wrote the book. So you're going to have a pretty much a, a 19th century thematic book that refers to pretty much biblical doctrine throughout. And this is the problem with ever trying to approach a Mormon and saying that uh, the Book of Mormon is evil and, and all this. I wouldn't even bother because when they read it, they're reading similar texts in the, in the New Testament and the Old Testament. Uh, the, 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 the danger with the Book of Mormon is that if people read that and believe that it's divine, which it's not, or divinely inspired, uh, it causes them to embrace the other things of Mormonism. And then you have to bring in the Doctrine and Covenants and the Pearl of Great Price and other practices and doctrines uh, with that acceptance of the Book of Mormon. And then you have something that's absolutely contrary to uh, the biblical uh, theology that we read. So the Book of Mormon is kind of like the hook. And if you accept that because it sounds Christian and you say it's such a good book and then it starts to reel you in, then you got to start embracing everything else that comes along with it, which is not Christian. So I thank Larry and Lisa for that question. Uh, second question, where is a good place to go to church in the Salt Lake area? I get this question often on this show. And um, there's several very good churches, pastors that I know. I like pastors that teach, teach uh, verse by verse through the Bible. So I would try a place like that uh, because I think you're going to get the, the word. You're going to get great fellowship, great worship, and you can go from there. Charity called and said, your host is not humble or teachable. He's full of pride. Instead of, instead of being teachable. Gordon B. Hinckley doesn't get offensive, and he does not criticize other churches. 
This man, I don't even know his name, does not want to listen. He does not represent the truth. Um, let me say this. Um, there's a difference between being humble and speaking the truth. I, I have a demeanor that is demonstrative. I'm a passionate man. I uh, will argue biblical truth. And I will argue it impassionately, passionately because we have to. And when something is, is brought in that is not biblical, it would be wrong for me to accept it. Now, I want you to imagine for a second that we take a call right now, and it's from a Christian. And they say something, and I say, oh, that's very nice. Thank you. And then uh, a Latter-day Saint calls, and they, they propose something Latter-day Saint. And I say, oh, that's, that's a beautiful, peaceful thing. Thank you. And then a Jehovah's Witness calls and says their thing about the New World Translation and Jesus not being a God. And, oh, thank you very much. And then a Muslim calls and says they don't accept uh, uh, Jesus as a, the Son of God, but a prophet. But he's mentioned in the Quran. And I say, oh, that's good. Peace be with you. You know, enjoy that. And then a Buddhist calls. And then an atheist calls and says, I don't even believe in God. I just believe in being a good man. And I say, oh, that's wonderful. Peace be with you. You know, great. That doesn't work when it comes to a show like this. I have a show like this so that I can address issues frankly and straightforward. If there's an issue, and I've always said this with the Christian community, and I don't think it's good, I will say it. But because I'm focusing on Latter-day Saints because I was one for 40 years doesn't make me not teachable. If you can teach me something about the LDS Church that I don't know, I'll be glad to listen. As far as Gordon B. Hinckley not being um, contentious or whatever, he represents a corporation. And very rarely are you going to see a corporate president get in front of a board of directors or at a shareholder meeting and be confrontational. They just aren't. They have another mission, and it's not to bring forth confrontational doctrines. There's another side to it, but I won't go into it right now. Joe called, wanted to share a story. Quickly, I'll, I'll give you the synopsis of the story. When she was 42, she asked to have her name removed from the church. Two members of a bishopric came to her and told her that they would not take her name off unless something was seriously wrong. She looked at them in the face and said Joseph Smith was not a prophet. They walked away two weeks later. She received the summons from the church to appear in court to be judged. Her husband, who was not a Christian, wrote back to the church and said, My wife will only be judged by God. Two weeks later after that, she received a letter saying she had been excommunicated. Joe wanted to share that. With Michael from Orem called and wanted to know the point of the show. What is your point? have two purposes uh, for the show, Michael, genuinely two purposes. One is to introduce spiritual regeneration to the Latter-day Saints as a very, as the most important thing for a person to do in this life, to be spiritually reborn through faith on Jesus Christ. I think that is missing in the LDS church. The second point or second purpose is to get the LDS church to embrace the Bible as um, historically correct, as a correct translation, as infallible, and as inerrant as the holy word of God, and to not demean it in any way, shape, or form, and to hold it at least at the same level, if not a higher level, than all their other scripture. Those are two things that the purpose of our ministry that we drive toward. Jeremy and Provo says, how do you maintain family relationships with the Spirit of Christ when you no longer believe in Mormonism? Uh, he says, I'm still LDS, but I don't know how to leave. I want to tell you, um, Jeremy, that if you come to the Lord and you turn your life over to him and you say that you're going to follow him and his will, he will lead you. It could be through a difficult time, but he'll be leading you at that time and your family will be fine. And in fact, these doors will open up for your family to come, the come to know the true and living God. It's scary. 
I realize the cultural implications of leaving the LDS church when the rest of your family is LDS. That's the situation I was in. At first, there was a knee-jerk reaction that I was a horrible, terrible person. And slowly but surely, they're beginning to see that over all these years that I, it has been a benefit and a beauty to my life, and they start to open up a little bit more. So don't be afraid of losing your family or of the family situation. At first, I thought my wife and children would abandon me. My wife and children have joined my side in love for the Lord, and they still uh, um, have great relationships with the LDS members of the church. There's the answer to that. From an email, you are an anti-Mormon liar who is bitter against the church. I see right through your whole scheme. Signed, not fooled. Uh, I want you to know that uh, anti-Mormon, again, another application of uh, Judaism to Mormonism, the anti-Semite uh, verbiage that came out in 1846, I think, is uh, Mormons have applied it to themselves. If you say something against Mormons, you're anti-Mormon. Uh, I'm about as anti-Mormon as I am anti-God. I have spent my life, I have spent my resources, I spend my time talking with Mormons to the best of my abilities, and usually I fail in those, but the best of what God wants me to do, to talk to them about the Lord. I'm one of the first Christians you're going to see on the television who says to the Mormon people, if you want to keep your rituals in the temple, and you want to keep your extra-biblical scripture, and you want to keep all your other things that are not biblical, go ahead. That's not my business. My business is Jesus Christ in your life. Have you been spiritually reborn? And my business is do you embrace the Bible as the word of God? That's all I'm asking. So if that's anti-Mormon, oh, you can call it that, I guess. What I really am, I might be anti-Mormonism in some ways. But I am not anti-Mormon. I love the Mormon people. They are my people. I came from those people. And so to call me anti-Mormon might be convenient in a way to attach a tag to what I'm doing, but it's not correct. So I hope I've explained that. Jared from Springville, um, he asked, define regeneration. He believes he is born again. Jared, uh, on the uh, website, um, you can see the second and third shows. On those shows, I go into uh, depth about what spiritual rebirth is. Actually, I would watch the first, second, and third shows. But we really go into that there. But let me give you a quick analogy if I can. All right? Uh, let's just take the, the game of baseball. You have people who know the game but they may have never played, okay? And some of those people who know the game know what it consists of, hitting, throwing, catching. Some people who know the game might know the history of it and, and all the aspects of it. Some people might be scholars of baseball, but they've never played the game, okay? You have that category. Then you have another category of people who have played the game. And people who have played the game, there's a broad spectrum of them. There are people who have thrown the ball to their dad when they were little or hit or caught. There are people who have played Little League. There are people who have been drafted into uh, a Little League team, high school, college, minor league, pro league, hall of fame. You go, there's a very broad spectrum of players of baseball. The difference between the two groups is the players have played the game. They, they have played the game and they're in it. The first one have an intellectual knowledge of what the game is about but they have not played the game. That's the difference between being born again and not being born again. You can have an intellectual assessment of who Jesus Christ is and say he's the Lord, he's the Savior, I know that, I realize it. But unless you've played the game as a born-again Christian, you're not there with him. So that's kind of a worldly uh, analogy, but it's one that works, for me at least. Um, Karen from Brigham City, you're doing a good job. Karen, thank you. And uh, if you want to pray for us, Sorry, 
cameraman, sorry. If you want to pray for us, uh, feel free to do that because we need it. Join the prayer team. Stan from Woodcross, why do you dress like that every week? What's with the sign? Stan, uh, this is how I, these are my clothes, and I wear them every week because I don't want to have a costume, and I don't want to be changing things all the time, so look more, hey, there's a new show, hey, look at this outfit. I just wear what I wear, the clothes don't matter. Uh, and the sign is Howdy Partner, and it's here because I want people to know that they're welcome. It's a talk show, and we are, uh, they're welcome, so Howdy Partner was an inviting sign, and I like the verbiage, and I think it fits the set. And I like the set. This is my taste, too. Aaron from Orem, from Orem what led you out of the church? Uh, again, go to show number uh, one, and it will tell you what led me out of the church. Uh, but in a nutshell, what led me out of the church is I realized that I did not know God, having been an active member of the church, through his son Jesus Christ intimately because of my sin. And it was sin that led me to realize that I needed to come to know the Lord. And when I came to know the Lord, I realized that the LDS church was not in a p position to provide me with the things to know the Lord in the first place. That's what led me out of the church. I just got that, by the way. Trevor snuck in. Mormons do believe in the Bible. I know, Trevor, that Mormons believe in the Bible. You need to watch show number five to understand what I mean by saying they don't use the Bible as... Uh, as often, they don't hold it up in, in such high esteem as they do the Book of Mormon. And it is tacitly, that means that it's kind of inferred that it's a lesser form of Scripture. If you want to argue that, you can argue to the wall because it's a known fact. And most Latter-day Saints will tell you that. But watch show five, and you'll be able to see my argument. Jesse from Ogden. Does sin block blessings from God? I certainly hope not because uh, we all sin and it seems like God reigns upon the just and the unjust. He shows the sun upon the, the good and the evil. Um, evil people receive blessings from God every day. Do they block uh, the Doctrine and Covenants 82.10? There's a law irrevocably decreed upon uh, uh, before the foundations of the world. If you want to apply that, I don't, I don't believe that. And I believe that God can bless whoever he wants for with whatever he wants, for whatever purposes he has, sinner or not. Do you need to confess daily in order to have a relationship with God? 1 Corinthians 13 says, if you have love in your heart, you're not going to sin. Confessing daily is good if you want to talk to God about everything. You should talk to him about good and bad. Okay, uh, Paul from Brigham City. Every day I praise the Lord. I utter it. I'm LDS, but I consider myself born of the Spirit. Paul, praise God. I mean, that's great. You praise the Lord. Now you're on the road to doing more. You're on the, Lord to get, you're on the road to getting to know him better. You're on the road to turning your will over him to, completely. If you've been born of God and you're praising him, that's an indication that you're walking with him. So then you're going to start to see little flags go up that say, wait, this isn't consistent with this feeling and this, this thing that happens to me of praising. It's off with that. And start to examine those things, and the Lord will lead you to where he wants. Steve B. says... I need to hear why, how, or what teaching the true Mormons believe in order for them to know the Lord. Uh, go to the website at www.bornagainmormon.com and email me, and I will send you the book for free, um, Born Again Mormon, and, uh, and this will give you insight into what the LDS Church believes. It will help you in your uh, sharing with them. Uh, I want you to know this book is not anti-Mormon in any way, shape, or form, and I think you'll appreciate it, whether you're LDS or Christian, in the way I approach the subjects. So go to that, uh, Steve and Susanna, and tell me your name, and I'll make sure that I send it to you out for free. Ginny, hypocrite, you're bashing on Mormons. Ginny asks, 
If someone came to Sean and said, we do not like your church, we are going to a Mormon church, what would you say? What I would say, Jenny, if someone came to me and said, we don't like your church, we're going to a Mormon church, um, I, can, I, can, I can say it this way. If you were somebody who um, was on a certain diet of eating lots of fiber, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and avoiding the terrible food, and you said that you've been doing this in this order, but you're tired of that, and now you're going to go to a different diet where you're going to have a lot more grain and less fruits and vegetables, but still have the fiber, so go ahead and do it. And if you came and after a while you were, the, you were on that diet and then you said, you know what, I'm going to go to a diet where I have a lot of water and I have a little less meat, a little more fiber, a little more fruit, a little less vegetables, go ahead. But if you came and you said, you know what, I'm going to go from these kinds of food groups and I'm going to go and I'm going to eat fast food three days a week and that's all I'm going to do, I would say you're nuts. I would say you're going from something in a realm that was good for you to a realm that is feeding you junk. And that's the analogy that I can use as far as leaving the Christian church. If you said you're in a Christian church and you came to me and you want to go to a Mormon one, I would say that it would be a step down from what you really want to do. And I would say you need to find us another church that caters to what you want to know. And if you need more worship, go to one that gives you more worship. If you need more study, go to one that gives you more study. But that's my answer to you if you ask me that question. As far as being a hypocrite, I'm guilty. I've been a hypocrite in my life before, but I'm not bashing on the, on, uh, the Mormon church. I'm just telling what is truth. And if truth is bashing, then I have to go with that, that uh, definition. Let's see. I just put this one away. Aaron and Tawilla received your book. It's great. My LDS mom borrowed the book to read. God bless you, Sean. Thanks, Aaron. And uh, I would love for you to start a, a prayer team for the show and uh, keep that going. Sean, uh, this guy's name was Sean. And he's a Christian, born and raised. His father was a rabbi 52 years. He was born in Utah. Last week, Polly called on the Bible, and uh, she uh, said things about the Bible that were not good. He wants me to ask, Polly, have you read the Masoret manuscripts? Do you speak Greek or Hebrew? Do you speak the ancient Arabic? Have you, do you have a concordance? Um, the Word of God is the Word of God, and it stands up to all the tests that have been thrown against it. He, he comments on the Book of Mormon uh, going through so many changes, and supposedly for being the most correct book, she, he doesn't understand how it could go through those changes. George in Salt Lake City. Sean, do you consider Catholicism, excuse me, a Catholic, uh, a Christian religion? I consider Catholicism... Um, a non-Christian religion, but I consider Catholics, many Catholics, Christian. Same thing with Mormonism. Mormonism, no. Mormons, yes. It just depends on the individual. You can go to a Baptist church, and you could probably see a number of people who aren't Christian there. You can go to many churches and find non-Christians who profess to be Christians. It's not the denomination. It's whether you have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you don't. And if you do, do, you, do the signs follow you that you believe? That's what makes a Christian. That's what makes the body of Christ. So I embrace Catholics, and I embrace Mormons the same way. All right. Joe, a girl in Salt Lake City, how do you share the gospel with members of the Catholic Church? We're getting a lot of Catholic questions here. I'm a born-again Christian. Um, Joe, I would share uh, the message uh, with Catholics the same way I'd share it with uh, anybody. And I would just focus on Jesus Christ, and I would focus on sin, and that he is the answer to sin in our lives, and that when we realize that, that he's the only way to go before the Father, 
we break before him, we become spiritually reborn, we turn our will over to him completely, and we walk with him. And I would approach Catholics in the same way, of course, with a lot of prayer, and I wouldn't go into Catholic doctrines or anything like that. David realizes that we are imperfect, but that is why we take the sacrament every week, to remind yourself that the covenants you've made with the Lord. I have two comments on that, uh, David. The first, question, the first comment is, when you have an institution that provides you with the source of being to God, then you are tied to a revolving door for that institution, meaning you have to go to that institution every week in order to get their emblems of the sacrament in order to be worthy before God. And uh, when you do that, what you've done is you said, this church has replaced my relationship with God. So religion over uh, relationship, and it never works in my opinion. So as far as a weekly sacrament, going through and it being the process by which you become born again, I, I can't buy that at all. Second thing is I think of a scenario where if somebody for some unknown reason was missing sacrament meetings, let's say they were sick one week, they were on vacation the next in a place where there wasn't a church and they did something the next, and then on the fourth Saturday night before they came to church to take that sacrament to repent, they get hit by a car and they, they had some real evil thoughts and stole the candy from the store, they're bound to hell. So when you have something that's a cyclical, you have to go and keep doing it in order to be right before God, it's called religion. Religion. And religions love that stuff because you keep coming, and you keep paying, and you keep doing in order to keep the whole institution rolling. But it is not a relationship. And the relationship with God is what you need. So that's my answer. Ethan in Provo. If anything leads you to Christ or leads you to do good, how can it be bad? Well, Ethan... Uh, let me answer it this way. If good could get you to God, then we didn't need Jesus. Um, and I covered this in the second, first and second show. If you could do a bunch of good works that would make God happy with you and make you presentable before him, then Jesus didn't need to come. So good is not the thing that gets you into heaven. It is in a sense, but it's Jesus' good, not yours. And it's your faith in him and his good that allows you to step before the Father and not your own. We're going to cover salvation, grace, and works coming up in a few weeks. But uh, right now, you have to understand that doing good does not get you into the presence of God. And if you think that I'm wrong, just study Romans, study First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, study those books. Just read them. Don't read the Joseph Smith translation of those books. Just read the book and see what it says about how you get to God. It's only Jesus. And then after you've come to know Jesus, then you're going to start to do good because he fills you with his spirit that makes you want to do good. It's not a burden to do good. It's not a burden to pray or fast or, or give tithing or, or what, what not tithing because I don't like that word, to give hilariously to your church or to serve others. It's not a burden. It's a joy. And that joy is missing. So that's the difference. Doing good doesn't do it. I, that, I can't be more emphatic on that point. Erica from Smithfield watches TV 20 a lot. Christianity does not cause contention. This is what Sean is doing. She says, you are the odd man out. No other pastor preaches this way. Well, praise God. It's time for, uh, uh, I may not be a, a pastor of a church, and I'm not. And they have their thing, and they do a good job of it. But when it comes to television, and I'm not a televangelist, the point is here, I hope that I'm the odd man out because I'm not going to play nice-nice with people so it looks like we're chums, and I'm not going to soft-sell the gospel, and I'm not going to say you're all going to hell. I'm not going to take any radical approach. I'm going to preach the truth. 
And if you think that you have truths that I don't know, call and share them and, I, and we can go through it. I'm not here to cause contention, but sometimes the truth is difficult. Jesus is evidence of that. Uh, we're going to the phones in just a minute. We have a couple more. I'm not going to do the baptizing for the dead from Keegan, but I'll talk about that later, and it's pretty uh, simple. Uh, Lee and Sandy, you're, doing, you're on the front lines. Lee, keep praying for us. Shannon in Salt Lake City, go, Sean. Keep praying for us, Shannon. Joe and Ogden, where is Jesus now? What is he doing? Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father. He's our intercessor before the Father. And he is there when the accuser, Satan, comes before and he says, look at what this guy is doing. He's terrible. That's not a Christian. He's no good. And Jesus steps in as our intercessor and argues for our behalf before God. Scriptures talk about Satan being an accuser. That's what he's doing right now. He's also our sovereign Lord. And uh, he's there. Finally, you have left the church to make money for your show and from your books. Uh, that is probably the funniest question of the night. We're going to end on that one. I have about four more, but they're, uh, we're going to have to wait till next time. Uh, I'm, I am so far in the red with what I do, and uh, I don't think I'll ever make a cent from what I do, and I don't care. What I care about is the kingdom of God being preached and Jesus being first in the lives of Latter-day Saints. Tyler in Bountiful, line one. Tyler, fire ahead. Yeah, I'm Watching your show over the couple of weeks, I mean, I, why do you, you seems like you're bashing on all these other religions, and you're saying that, you know, President Hinckley is a, I mean, I'm a Mormon, yeah. and I don't have a problem with, I guess, what you do. I mean, that's your freedom. It's your right. Okay. But you're, you're saying that the sacrament is the way you repent. It's not the way, it's a symbolic thing. Okay. You take the sacrament to remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. If that's right, Tyler, then you don't need to, to take repent. the sacrament. Then you don't need to take it, right? No, you do. To Why? remember. I need to take the sacrament to remember something? To remember what he, yeah, for his sacrifice. I can remember that. And what's this, this you're saying that your sin you committed had drew you away from the Mormon church? Oh, you want to go to my sins, huh? No, I don't care. I, that's Why do you bring you it up Lord. if you don't care? That's what? No, it's that's between you and the Lord. Yeah, I'm a me. sinner just like you, Tyler. I'm, I'm not saying I'm perfect. No, you're not. You're not only not perfect. You're a sinner. You realize that? Everybody is. That's, that's why we're right. here on this earth. That's exactly right. That's not why we came to this earth to be sinners. We came to be perfect. We came to this earth be perfect, to be perfect. Yeah. You're not going to make it, Tyler. You're only going to make it through Jesus Christ. I, I haven't denied that. I'm. I'm just. I'm making a and proclamation. The other thing is, how can you say that the LDS Church doesn't follow the Bible when it? It says that we have three witnesses, the Bible, Tyler, Mormon, and the Holy Ghost. Tyler, you're speaking without knowledge. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. I was LDS. I, I, you know, I'm in my third year at uh, ministry school in the Bible. Let me tell you, the LDS church, and why do you think the Christians point to the LDS church and say they're not Christian? Do you think they're just doing it because they're jealous? They're doing it because there is so much non-biblical information in Mormonism. It's not mad. It's called emphasism. You are calling me and you're trying to paint a picture that you're a Bible-believing church. That is not true, Tyler. Yeah. So you're trying to, what you're trying to do is you're trying to say something now that's not true. So people will believe you. Sure. What do you think you're trying to do on TV here? I'm saying truth. You're speaking non-truth. What power and authority? By the power and authority of Jesus Christ. Oh, and and he's he's giving you this power and authority? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Okay, anything else? Okay, no, I... Okay, man. We're going to Tom and Logan. Fire away. Hey, Sean. Uh, I was just wondering uh, 
What what exactly is not biblical about the Mormon Church in in your mind? Because uh, okay, let me point one thing out, Tom, to the audience. I want you to know that my my purpose is to bring Latter Day Saints to the Lord, and through spiritual rebirth, and to have them embrace the Bible as the Word of God. Okay, now Thomas asked, what is not biblical in the LDS Church? I don't want to go down these nitpicking things, but I can. Do you want me to do okay, it? I mean, we don't have to nitpick and down every single about doctrine and everything, but I'm okay. saying that um, one of your main things is you're saying that Larry Saints don't practice biblical teaching. You don't. And you see that, that, and that's what that's what I'm saying. We do, but you don't. I'm asking, what? How don't we practice biblical? Well, we'll just take one, and it's a big one. You preach salvation by grace and works. You right. can't. You cannot have salvation by grace and works. That's like saying that you're both wet and dry at the same time. Well, that's biblical, and it's not biblical. But, and any Christian, any, any, anybody who has studied the Bible, you believe it's biblical because you've been taught that you believe the Bible. Listen, Philippians say, work out your salvation with fear and Put that in context. You have to put that in context. This is why I don't go down these roads because you want to pull out certain scriptures that you think support your argument. They do not. Right. In context, it does not support what you're saying. So, so basically, the members of the church have all of these scriptures that are pulled out of context that support our doctrine, but you, ch you... Not all of them. Not all of them. Yeah, but I mean, it's a matter of interpretation. It's not interpretation. It that, is. Why do you think, why do you think the Christian community constantly says Mormonism is not Christian? <laughs> why? I, because we, we believe things that... Uh, are not in the Bible. That they, that they are, don't interpret. No, but you know what? It's not denominationally inclined. Look at any. Look at the Baptists. Look at the Pentecostals. Look at the... And uh, even between their churches, they have... Not on the main things, brother. You might be talking about dates and things, but not on the main things. And that's what you're wrong. That's what makes up the body of Christ, and they get along well. The main things about, uh, like, baptism... Those are not main things. Okay, the nature of God. Nature of God, yes. They don't, they don't have fights with that. They believe in a trinity. The body of Christ is Trinitarian. It's the, and I no hate to use it. I'm not going to use the C word. Sin. You're really tempted me to. But the, it's the C word groups that deny the Trinity. It's the Jehovah's Witnesses and it's the other C word groups that take the Trinity and they make Jesus less. So, it's, a, it's a perfect point for C groups. Okay, so basically the, the main thing separating Mormons from the rest of the church is the way that we define the Godhead then. No, I, you know, I didn't say that. What I said, and I've said it all along, is the, the main things are that you do not teach, that you need to be born again, and it's not emphasized in the church, and you do not embrace the Bible as the inerrant and infallible word of God. That's it. I'm not arguing about all your other things. You can, you can bring those up, and you can think those. And when you die, you can believe that Jesus is going to be sitting next to a physical God. I'm not going to argue with you on that. Okay. okay, all I'm arguing is that Jesus in the traditional, typical 52-week meeting at the LDS Church is not taught as the only source of salvation and that the Bible is subtly demeaned as the holy and errant word of God. That's it. Of course, of course Jesus is the only source of salvation. Mm -hmm. we, even no matter what we do, without him we, couldn't get not, we could not get to heaven. Mm -hmm. it's only I understand your definition. To... Look, you're not, look at, you're not introducing something new to my thinking here on, on how you see it. But 
what you're doing is you're trying to say that you embrace that and you don't you yeah. do not embrace grace that's you do the not embrace the sacrament meeting and then you're talking about that with the guy you do not embrace grace why do you need the bread to you don't embrace grace that's yeah, all there is to it you don't you have to do stuff even in the exactly Christian. there's my point you have to do this is where you're wrong my friend and i'm glad you hey. finally when i'm glad you finally let it out really what you are you're saying you have to do stuff you are absolutely categorically wrong Having faith is doing something. No, that's having faith. That's We're talking about faith. You're talking about doing. Having no. faith. Doing is having, having faith is doing something. You have works are evidence of faith, but works are, do not create faith. We're going on, brother. I got Chris online too. Okay, take care. All right, go ahead. Chris? Chris? Think we lost Chris? Chris? Well, they're going through other callers. I want to let you know that the, uh, the old boiled down, are you saved by grace or works bit, we knew we were going to come to that. I'm not going to address it in a message for two weeks. But I want you to know that Latter-day Saints, when you ultimately get through all the, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing this, when we finally get down to it, they believe in a, in a non-biblical doctrine that you are not saved by the grace of God, but you are saved by grace and works, or you are saved, some of them, only by works. That's, a, that's their opinion. But that is contrary to biblical thought. We're going to go to Barton on line three. Barton, how you doing? I think you've called before. Yeah. All right. Uh, first thing, I, I read a non-LDS uh, King James Bible before. and Non-LDS King James Bible? Yeah. Okay. It would be exactly the same, but yeah. the feeling I got was totally different. The feeling you got from reading a non-LDS King James Bible? Yeah, it was same feeling I had when a kid when I would think about shoplifting or would actually do shoplifting. This is great. So when you read the non-LDS King James Bible, the feeling that overcame you was a feeling like you wanted to shoplift or do something wrong. No, it was the feeling of guilt that I, as if I had done something wrong. Excellent. That's excellent. That's, that's what should come about when you read the non-LDS King James Version of the Bible. Yeah, you want to feel that, Barton, because what it's saying to you is you're a sinner. And then that makes you go to God and say, you know what? This Bible is convicting me. It's showing me that I'm a sinner. What am I going to do? I can't seem to do anything else about it. In fact, Heavenly Father, I'm going to church every week and I'm wearing a white shirt and a tie and I'm taking the sacrament. I'm following my leaders. But man, I keep lusting after that girl. And you know what? I gossiped about somebody the other day. How come I can't get over this? And then God says, well, you really want to know? And you say, yeah. And then he leads you to his son. And then you become born again. And then you have the power to do those works that we're talking about, Barton. Go ahead. You have another question? Yeah. It was, uh, so why do you believe in the, in the, or why do you believe in Jesus Christ, but you do not believe Jesus Christ? He said, be perfect. And even in the apostle Paul said, be perfect. I have nothing wrong with being perfect. I have nothing wrong with striving for being perfect. Because Job Jesus, perfect. Barton, when Jesus came to the earth, his message was to bring people to him. When he gave the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, or the Beatitudes 2, when he talked those things, those things were to convict people. Those things were not possible. When he said, you cannot commit adultery, and then he said, let me tell you, that's what the law said, let me tell you what I say. He convicted them that they were all adulterers. He convicts us that we are all liars. 
His coming convicted us that we were in need of him. When he says you need to be perfect, what do you do? There's churches that will tell you you need to be perfect, and there's churches that will tell you you can't go to Jesus. This is a program that says, Barton, you can't be perfect. Go to Jesus. If you want a program that says you can be perfect, then go to the LDS churches and conferences and listen to them. And then you can join the ranks where people have the highest percentage of Prozac use in the United States and the highest suicide rate in the United States. And you can join a legalistic system that provides no peace through God. Okay? Is that straightforward enough? We're going to Chris on line one. Chris, you're on. Hello? Chris. Oh, this is Eric. Oh, Eric, you're on. Hey, um, my question for you is, um, do you feel that people will be accountable if they have tattoos during this life, or how do you feel towards tattoos? On I, feel, I feel nothing about tattoos, Chris. I think they are a cultural thing. I think there's people in New Guinea who have tattoos. I think that if you're a Christian and you get a tattoo, I, so what? Uh, I know that in the uh, Old Testament it talks about do not print on your body. I personally don't like tattoos. I don't like them on girls or guys, and I think that a good pastor would teach their congregants to stay away from tattoos because of the association. But as far as salvation or pleasing God, I don't think it has anything to do with it. Okay, with you saying pleasing God, um, I am an LDS member of the faith, and on my mission, I actually ran into a guy that on his arm, his tattoo said F, as in the swear word, F God. Yeah. And I asked him, I said, how do you feel about that? He says, well, I'd like to get it removed, but I know I don't have the money or the means to get it removed. Therefore, I know that I know that I'm going to go before God, and I know God is not going to stand approved of that. And you just barely said that God is not going to judge him of that. He's not. But, Look, at if he believes in God and he's going to go before God and he knows that he's, he doesn't have the money to remove a tattoo that he got in a rebellious stage, do you think God is going to say in that your body that's laying down there in the grave with a tattoo on it, you did that, and you believe in me, and you know that I'm going to be mad, but you're gone? No, come on, man. Look at the guy doesn't have the money. Look, this is this is legalistic stuff. Should you do this or what? No, there is liberty in Jesus Christ, not licentiousness, but liberty. You're free. Just a second ago, you said it didn't matter, no matter what the tattoo was. It wouldn't matter at all. I, I, I'm still saying that. I mean, you're backtracking way too much. Did I? I didn't backtrack at all. I said the same thing. It does not matter. So I don't it, think you're listening to me. You guys are calling the fight. I got to talk to Renz in Salt Lake City. Renz, fire away. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Good. Uh, you're doing a good job. I just want to uh, address the issue that I want to make a correction, actually. All right. In 1 Corinthians 1 and 18, it says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power Thank of you. God. Okay. I just wanted to tell you that that's a mistranslation. Okay. And the Revised Standard okay. is... For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Okay. In the Greek, sozo is the word that has been translated to save. See. Well, I, I have to check that out, and you may, you may be right. I may have learned something from you tonight. Jesus, but... says, Jesus says, nobody's saved until the end. He who endureth until the end, the same will be saved. I'll tell you, the, that verse that you just quoted about enduring to the end is misquoted too. So we have a problem here. Go ahead. If you look at the Bible in context, Renz, what you're saying does not hold water. You have to look at an entirety, not in a single verse, because of a word choice that scholars use in a certain version of the Bible. Okay? We're not talking about that. 
All right. I'm sorry that I have to cut you off, buddy, but I, I'll appreciate I'll check that out. I appreciate you exposing me to it. Maybe I'll learn something. But as far as it being a deal breaker with salvation coming once and you having it, nah, can't do it, buddy. You have a good night. Shane, we're going to Shane on line three. Hi, Sean. Thanks for your show. Hey, thank you. Hey, I just have a little challenge to go out to uh, my LDS neighbors and friends and family and that. I'm a, uh, a born LDS uh, person who fell away early, and uh, I thank God for that just because uh, when I did come to find the Lord, I, I, was, I had to determine, I had to search out truth. And when I searched it out, I, I found truth in, in the Bible and what it says and what it teaches. And I, I have a challenge. To, you know, you have a lot of callers who want to dwell on a certain subject or yeah. dwell on a certain issue. Um, take it as a whole. Look at the truth. Try to find truth. Don't dwell on certain issues or something you heard last week or the week before. Uh, find a good uh, liberal web, website that shows differences, that shows the difference between what the Mormons believe and what a Christian believes. And when I talk about a Christian, I talk about a... Uh, someone who studied that you know, goes by the Bible and the Bible only, who seeks salvation through Jesus and through Jesus only. And uh, I just appreciate your show, and, and I love my Mormon friends and my Mormon family, and I just you know, hope, uh, hope you just keep plugging on. Shane, I really appreciate your testimony, and I appreciate what you're suggesting. Uh, we need that to go on a thousand times over here in the state with Christians. And I like your, uh, your demeanor, and you're just sharing the truth one bit at a time. And God bless you, man. Thank you very much, Sean. Thank you. See you later. Ogden on, oh, no, TJ on line one. TJ, you're on. How are you doing? I'm sweating again. <laughs> well, I, I just want to ask you a question. All right. Dalai Lama and people who are Buddhist and Hindu, yeah. what happens to them? Because they're not going to believe in Jesus Christ at the end. Yeah. You know, if they don't believe in Jesus Christ, the biblical message is they will go to hell. And, and... It, it, all I can do is preach the Bible, and I believe the Bible, and Jesus taught about hell, and he's the way, the truth, and the life, and if they don't accept Jesus, they're going to go to hell. Now, uh, I don't know what God does in his grace. I don't know what he does about people who are born in countries where Jesus wasn't known. I know that Romans talks about people in other countries who don't maybe not hear the gospel, but they can see through the skies and the universe that there is a God who proclaimed them in their heart that they, they are going to be uh, uh, treated with uh, insurmountable grace. So I don't believe in the semantical argument that Jesus, they didn't hear the name Jesus Christ, which is an Anglicanized version of all kinds of languages, and, uh, and died with it. I believe that it's going to talk about the intent of the heart. However, when it comes to the, us and knowing in the Bible, I think there's a difference. So that's my answer. So you, so you basically believe if they don't believe in Jesus Christ, they're going to go to hell. So that's, so that's, if they do not accept Jesus Christ. Okay, so if you're a Christian and you accept Jesus Christ, I'm LDS. Uh-huh. I converted to LDS, I became a member of the LDS Church four years ago. Okay. And, and I was raised Catholic, okay. I, my mom's born again, okay. and everything else. And I know that in, our, in the Church that we do preach about Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus Christ is the salvation, right. and that even if you are Buddhist, Hindu, or you know, believe in something else, if you're a good person, you will attain a, you know, you, know, you were LDS, a, a certain yeah. amount of glory. Yeah, I understand that. But to sit there and say that 99% of the entire world's population since the beginning is going to go to hell, then your God, I'm sorry, but the God that you're believing in right now is a God of hatred. Hmm. 
And I know a lot about hatred because I was a neo-Nazi skinhead also for 15 years of my life, and I know about hate. And, and trust me. What's your name again? My name is T.J. Lydon. And, and if you know, if you want to, you want to know about hate, you can come see me tomorrow. And I mean, we can. I mean, I, I mean T.J. Listen to my lecture. T.J., you got to let me talk too. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> listen, man. What you've gone is you've gone from one group of totalist methodologies, and uh, to another that has totalist methodologies. They give you certainty. And it's very uncomfortable to have to, to look at things on your own and be responsible. I, I, no, I, I, make, I have free agency. I make my own decisions. Okay. I, can, I can choose to pay tithing or I don't. I can right. choose to go to the temple or I, can, or, or I cannot. I have a lot of friends that are LDS that don't you understand, do those. You understand the implications of what you just said. What? Well, you know, you can choose to pay your tithing or you cannot. But if you don't pay your tithing, you can't go to the temple. And if you don't go to the temple, then you can't go to the celestial kingdom. So you're worried about a God who is might possibly going to get mad at a few people, heathens, who don't accept Jesus Christ, but you're willing to accept a religion that says you won't live with God if you don't pay their tithing. Do you understand? I did, no, it doesn't say that you're not going to live with God. Yes, it does. Because uh, if you not, don't pay your tithing, you can't go to the temple. And if you don't go to the temple, you can't live with God, JT. I'm not giving you a line of bull here. No, it's TJ. And I, and just the, TJ I, I know, I know you got to back. Listen, you can go. You won't be. Hey, you won't be in the celestial kingdom. You won't be. Well, that's living with God, uh, TJ. Yeah, but you're still going to attain a part, a part of glory. Okay, that, that, Buddhist, that is based it, off a man named Joseph Smith. Who what he did is he legitimized hell. Watch show five, show four, where we talk about hell, and and, and it's on the website. No, you t you're relying on one man who said, hey, no, there's no hell except for this outer darkness thing for guys like Sean McCraney. No, what there is, JT, is for the adulterers and the, and the whoremongers and the liars and the murderers, they're going to go to a kingdom of glory. That is rewriting the Bible. That's another non-biblical text. So I, I got other calls, but I got to hit it. But keep calling and, and, and keep watching. Love you, man. Take care. Abraham from Midville, you got to be fast, brother. Sean, man, God bless you, man. You're doing great. Listen. I have learned that a lot of leaders telling telling me about that the father had sexual relation with Mary, and that's where Jesus comes in. Yeah. And the other members of the LDS Church does not know that information. Yeah. Comment on that, brother. Well, you brought it out now. If they don't know it and they're watching, they know it. You know, it's been disputed. People, uh, leaders have said it, but I don't know uh, if they've rescinded on that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let it go. But I appreciate you bringing it up. I gotta go because we're at the end. I gotta go to line three. Trist. Hi. Hi. I have a question about the Bible, and um, it says that you should pay one-tenth of your income as tithe. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? I think that that's a, a, in the Old Testament. I think it's part of the law for the Jews. And I think that uh, what the New Testament talks about is giving, and the word in the Greek translates to hilariously. So what it means is you're a cheerful giver and you give as you want. God does not want money from someone who's not cheerful. The law of tithing died. It was reinstituted when the church went into debt and it's become a standard by which people show their worthiness. It is not part of the New Testament covenant. Oh, okay, thanks. You're welcome. Take care. And uh, you know what? Uh, we're going, how much time we're talking? Okay, we're going to line, I don't know what. Okay, I got questions. Uh, 1 Timothy 3.16 is her verse. She uses this verse to show Mormons who God really is and it works. This is from Lena. Thank you for that verse, 1 Timothy 3.16. Please read that and we'll go on. All right. Chris in Ogden. Were you truly a faithful active member of the LDS Church, i.e. weekly attendance? If so, how could you have fallen away? 
Have you ever served an LDS mission? Chris and Ogden, I served an LDS mission. I uh, fully embraced the Mormon uh, uh, religion at that time. I taught it with all my might. I lived by the rules on my mission with exactness. I uh, was fervent in spreading the message of Mormonism, uh, but it did not change my heart as a sinner. And that is what made me, after the mission, realize that all I had done is preoccupied myself with religious rituals or missionary rules, and I needed God to really show me if there was truth. And it was his showing me truth that helped me realize that Mormonism uh, was, frankly, at odds with biblical truth that transforms sinners and fallen people into children of God. So that was my uh, answer. As far as weekly attendance, I said in the first show, and you uh, I was very active up until I was 40 years of age. I was in a bishopric on a high council. I taught early morning seminary. I taught Sunday school. I was with the youth, all those things. I was active, et cetera, et cetera. I went to the temple. Uh, but you can read uh, about more about that on the site. Sandra, uh, we're going to Sandra. What does the LDS Church not provide you with in order to have that personal relationship with God? It's a good question, actually. We don't have that much time, but Sandra, that's an excellent question. Uh, what it doesn't provide is it doesn't provide the proper layout of uh, biblical truth on how to know Jesus. What it does is it provides Jesus as a uh, figure in which you can obtain forgiveness by repentance. And then it also prov the church also provides ways in which you can go and live with God again. And those ways are, in categorical, categorical order, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, baptism, remission of sins, gift of the Holy Ghost, then you got to keep going. You got to uh, go to the temple and you have to receive your endowment. And then you have to keep going from there. And there's a bunch of things, a hierarchy, which replace what Jesus did in and of himself. When he said it is finished, he's saying, I've done it. I fulfilled the law. Come unto me. And he died. And then he was resurrected. So the LDS church, they do have a version of Jesus, but they don't have the version that people can look to to be changed in their life. That's my answer for Sandra. We're going to JC in Salt Lake City, line two. I, I want to know if the Bible is true. If the Bible is true, JC, I tell you right now, the Bible is so true. It is the word of God. It, the prophets from as far back as 2,500 years were writing, and they have found manuscripts that show that their writings are correct. JT, study the Bible, look to the Bible, read the Bible, find a very easy version. It is the word of God, JT. Never let anybody tell you that it's not. Yeah, I love to read the Bible every day. Excellent, JT. That is wonderful. Keep going, brother. Okay, thank you. Thanks for calling. We got Aaron on line one. Yeah, Aaron. I just was going to uh, ask a question. You said you believe in the Bible? Yes. Yes, you do. And, yes. But then you just contradicted yourself and said that, that the law of tithing is abolished. Yeah. How can you believe in the Old Testament? And how do you, can you not believe in the Old Testament? I believe in the Old Testament. Well, it says in the, the Old Testament that we're supposed to be... And, and, and what does testament mean? It means old covenant. And what does new testament mean? It means new covenant. And so under the new covenant, the law of tithing is not applicable. It was an agreement with God and the children of Israel. And you know what? This is, a, this is frankly something I don't like about the Christian church that I hear. I hear pastors, when they talk about grace, they talk about everything in New Testament terms. But when it comes to money, they use the word tithing. And it's not a New Testament word. And so I, have, I take umbrage to the Christian community about using the word tithing 
uh, when everything else in the law, they'll kind of say it's been fulfilled. We now have a new way. But when it comes to giving, they use the word tithing. It's not a New Testament term. So Aaron, check it out. If I'm wrong, call me back and show me. But I don't think I am. I got to hit it. We're going to Jeff in Clearfield. This is our last call. Jeff in Clearfield. Fire away. Hey, guy, I've just turned, tuned into your show. I've never seen it before. This is awesome. Um, <laughs> I just barely got my name removed from the LDS Church. Hey. Uh, Born-again Christian. Yeah. Yeah, and I was um, just like what you were going with the old caller there, is that it's the old covenant that God made with Israel, and the New Testament is the new covenant, and the Book of Mormon says it's another covenant. Which yeah. There is nothing new in the Book of Mormon. Right. Aside from modalism. And... Um, and uh, also, as far as the other guys saying, um, you have to endure, you know, forever. Yeah. Uh, you got to keep enduring and whatnot. Yeah. Well, um, in the in the Bible, uh, I forget who's speaking, says um, they would not have gone out from among us if they were of us. You know what uh. I'm saying? And uh, Jesus saying that no one will take who the Father's given me. Right. I'm gonna just say right there, eternal security. Amen. If you're born again, you're born again, and I mean, you can't be. I mean, you can't lose that salvation. That's right, brother. Hey, I really appreciate your comments. Please keep calling because I need that backup insight that I don't have. Absolutely. I love the show. I just barely saw it. And, and also, I used to watch uh, Bob and Greg in conversation, and they were, they were, they were uh, too, too bland. They wouldn't, they wouldn't go and tackle this stuff with just how you're tackling everything and everything. You're not pulling any punches. And I absolutely love it. I mean, may God bless this show. And I, I just, just hope to see it on the air. I'll be tuning in every Tuesday. Thanks so much, man. Praise God. Hey, yeah, absolutely. Praise Jesus. Bye-bye now. Bye now. That's it. We're going to go. Uh, I want to make a final comment. We have a problem. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man does not receive the things of God. They are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Until Latter-day Saints have been spiritually reborn, until they have been regenerated by the Spirit of God and they become new creatures, they cannot understand the concepts that we're talking about. I know because I couldn't understand them. So our prayers need to be that Latter-day Saints become regenerated. If you're a Latter-day Saint and you want to know God, ask Him to take over your life through faith in Jesus Christ alone. I give you this challenge. It's If you won't take it, what is leading you not to? Is it pride that you think you have the truth? That you can sit back and just say, hey, I've got it. I don't have to worry about it. It's not true. You've been taught things that are not absolutely biblical. And so you have to realize, come to the Lord. Pour your heart out. Ask to be forgiven as a sinner. Ask Jesus to take over your life. And he will so do. Um, I also want you to say that the ad hominem attacks are starting to come. That means the attacks on me as a man. You can attack me all day long as a man because I'm a failure as a man. And if I make statements that are inconsistent, you're going to catch me on them. I don't care. I care that Jesus is preached and that you come to know him through faith. As this happens, your life is going to change and you're going to praise God like you cannot believe. Take the challenge. Next week, we're talking about Jesus. Tune in. I'm on a ride, going nowhere I am an existential cowboy on the wind And I won't be coming out, I'm going in This man's awake 
A storm's arising, the dawn's awaiting till a hundred monkeys know. And I can feel the light filled monkeys start. 